Golden State Warriors basketball. Shoots over Danny Green. Rainbow! Nothing but net! How did he do it? The fifth three-point shot of the night for Steph Curry. This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. The Golden State Warriors star play tonight only a half game back of the five spot as the Portland Trailblazers have dropped a couple of games. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, and we're going to talk Western Conference races a little bit later on as only two and a half games separate the number five team in the West, Portland, and the number nine team in the West, and that's the Phoenix Sun. We talked with Eric Hasseltine, the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, the Grizzlies in town on Friday night. The voice of the Dallas Mavericks, Chuck Cooperstein, will talk about this stretch of home games the Mavs are in. And then John Bloom, the pre- and post-game host of the Phoenix Suns Radio Network, will try to dissect that really tough April schedule that Jeff Hornacek's ball club is going to have to go through. It's all this hour on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'll answer some of your questions on Warriors Vox on Twitter. That's Warriors V-O-X. We'll find out what the Warriors are doing off the floor in the Bay Area community. But first up on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, he's playing so well since the All-Star break, and that is Clay Thompson. He had the game winner at Indiana and those two big three up in Portland helping the Warriors get a win on what was a very emotional weekend for Clay Thompson. He'll be joining us next on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Metro PCS and the Warriors have teamed up to offer fans a free Warriors t-shirt. Just head to the nearest participating Bay Area Metro PCS store and demo a phone. This offer is available for a limited time while supplies last. For complete details, including the list of participating locations, go to warriors.com slash metro PCS. Hi, Tim Roy. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues with Warriors guard Clay Thompson on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Lee wrestles away the rebound, leads a three on two, fights, Bogut running the floor, and he throws it down with two hands. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Everybody standing here at Bankers Live Fieldhouse, Curry to throw it in. Near wing, Iguodala comes out, gets the ball in the backcourt. They can do that. He'll bring it up. Nine seconds, eight seconds. Andre between the circles. Nobody moving. Draymond Green gets it to Clay Thompson. They're going with Clay. Three seconds, two seconds. Spins, fires, and hits it. Clay Thompson nailed it with .6 to go. Warriors take the lead. 98-96. Clay Thompson spinning to the baseline, knocked it down, and Mark Jackson showing incredible confidence. And one of the Splash Brothers right there gives him the ball on an ISO, and Clay Thompson delivered. Well, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. I, Tim Roy, and a pleasure to be joined now by a guy who's playing some great basketball for the Golden State Warriors, and that is Clay Thompson. And, uh, Clay, uh, first of all, tell me about uh, your your five-day stretch here without a game. You guys are back on the practice floor, but did you get away? Did you get some time away from, from the game for a couple days? Oh, yeah, it's been great. Um, got to play some golf, got to just relax at home, you know, go to the movies, just do everyday stuff. You don't get to do a lot during the season, so it's been really refreshing. What kind of a golfer are you? Uh, I'm not scratch, but I'm not bad, so I'm somewhere in between there. You know, I can break mm, I can break 90 if I'm feeling real good, but uh, it's going to take a miracle almost. But I'm not I'm not anything special, you know. It just takes some more more playing time for me, and I'll get there. Yeah, you'll you'll get there eventually because as as a as you know, it, it is an addictive game. You know, it is addictive. You, you could you could have the worst day on the course. You hit one good shot, you're coming back. There's oh yeah, no way around it. So, 
it's, it's, now is is there any um, anything that you apply from your ability like a like a free throw pre shot routine that maybe applies to golf? Nope, just try to get one good swing in that feels good in my practice swing. Then I'm just teeing up. Getting back on the practice floor to me, the danger of a of a of a stretch like this is kind of teams maybe lose a little bit of their their edge. How do you try to keep that from happening? I just get get some uh, competitive drills in in practice. Um, you know, do some individual work as far as shooting and you know maybe some competition shooting. Just stay competitive and. You know, get some get some run in too. Just try and get a sweat in, but you don't kill yourself. So you get an hour's worth, hour and a half's worth of really good work, and you, you should be good. Clay Thompson's our guest in the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Line Tim Roy. Last ten games for Clay's averaging right around twenty points, shooting fifty percent from the field. And it seems like the the All Star break came at a good time for you. That that it seemed like you came out of the All Star break ready to go. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was. Oh, I used the All Star break to my benefit. And I just got off my feet a little bit and hung out with my family. Didn't even pick up a basketball. So it was real good for me. And um, I was real rejuvenated coming back. And I think it's shown since. So, uh, you know, I'm just trying to finish out this, these last 11 games real strong. And, uh, you know, we can move up here in these playoff scenes right there for us in the taking. So we just got to, you know, stay sharp. No, no doubt that it's, it's, it's right there. In fact, if you look at five through nine starting play today, uh, that there's only two and a half games separate, say, Portland and Phoenix. And Clay and, and all these teams have games against each other. This is going to be a, a crazy uh, last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a huge finish for every team, you know, in that second half. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's what makes the NBA what it is. It makes it a lot of fun. It makes it fun to compete. And, you know, I get back on the court against a good Memphis team on Friday. It's going to be a challenge. You know, they... They're a tough team. They play physical, and they really push the ball inside, so it'll be a good test for us. 200 and, 214 games to start your career, and you played in each and every one of them, and then you missed a game because your grandfather did what passed away. You went to the Bahamas for the funeral. First of all, this, you, had, you came back, and it, how long did it take you to fly back and to get to Portland? It took. It was a long trip, but um, I'm young. I can recover quickly. You know, I had to go to Nassau to Charlotte to um, Charlotte to Phoenix to Phoenix to Portland. So it was a three segment trip, and all the only thing that matters is I made it on time, and you know, played well when I got to Portland. You played very well. Those huge threes coming down the stretch. Curry off the screen gets an angle, drives down, pass to the corner to Barnes, to top to Thompson for three. Got it. Clay Thompson with 11.1 to go gives Golden State a 113-111 lead. How important was that game to you? It was huge. Um, it was huge because all my family in Bahamas was watching, and you know, it meant how much to me that they pay attention to our season and how much you know they love our team. And uh, it was huge for you know us to bounce back from a you know a bad loss against Cleveland. So I kind of made up for it. It was a tough game. We showed a lot of grit coming back, and um, that's what you know those last second shots and the, that last minute of the play when the game is tight. That's what you play for, and that was a ton of fun. Yeah, I ran to your dad before the Clipper game down in L.A. and and. He was telling me that your grandfather was a, was a huge fan, and up until the final couple of weeks of his life, that he was really engaged into what you were doing, and in fact, all the kids. And and but he was a a warrior fan, and and watched it, watched your games. Oh yeah, he's warrior fan. He had league pass, so he could see all our games, and um, he would keep game notes actually of all the games. So he wasn't bashful either. When I was playing bad, he 
right. Clay's playing terrible. <laughs> he's picking up. Or when I was playing great, he's playing, saying, looking real sharp, playing great. So, uh, you know, not only was he my grandfather and a great influence in that aspect, but he was a, you know, a great fan and loved to talk about the game with me. Was he a big fan when you were starting play and whether it be high school or college? Or? Oh, yeah, he paid attention to my college scores and I'd send him high, videos of us in high school, me and my little brother playing and my bigger brother. So it was, uh, it was great. And, um, yeah, we're going to miss him and, uh, you know, patriarch of our family. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we're going to miss him. Well, it's great that you had a chance to, to get to know him and have those great memories and, and, you'll know that he was on your side. As we look at this last uh, stretch of games, Clay, uh, tell me tell me your mindset. Club's been playing really well. I mean, the, the San Antonio game notwithstanding, the Spurs are the Spurs. We know that. But but uh, this club is playing some really good basketball right now. Yeah, you want to peak at this time of the season, going into the playoffs. We let one get away against San Antonio, a very winnable game. But we got a couple home games here that we got to take care of. Um, good test against Memphis. You know, a talented team in New York, so this is huge for us every game. You know, we need to treat it like it's our last because any slippage in the Western Conference is a bad, bad thing. You know, there's so many good teams. You know, it's so close in the standing, so we just really got to focus. It's funny because I mentioned the uh, the space between five and nine, only two and a half games. And the, the sad reality, and I've, I've said this to Coach Jackson before about the West, is there's going to be one really good team not going to the playoffs. And then after the first round, there's going to be four more really good teams going home. I mean, it's just it's just so competitive. You know, these teams are so close and so uh, in talent. I mean, have you ever seen anything anything close to this? I mean, this is, this is remarkable. It is remarkable. Um you know, it makes what makes the NBA a great product is when you have this competitiveness and this, you know, this much talent between one through ten, and uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, I wouldn't have it any other way, and um, it makes the games a lot more fun too. You know, I'm really excited come Friday to get back at Oracle. There's nothing like playing in front of our fans. Like I said before, this is what makes the NBA a great product. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Clay. That we go from town to town on the road. And the write-ups are about uh, you and Steph, and the, the fact that the Warriors like to run and, and get, you know, three-point shots up. And you know, I keep reminding people in, in those towns that it's really a defensive team now. It's a defensive team first, and you're a big part of that. Do you think that people don't pay attention enough to your defense as opposed to your ability to shoot? I think so, but I'm a I'm a sucker for that too. When I watched, you know. Players play. I fall in love with their offense, their shot making. You know, I don't lo- notice the little things. Um, so I think people do that with me, or whether it's Steph. And uh, we've worked real hard on that defensive end. And um, I just try to make it tough on the opposing players I play and try to be a two-way player because it's kind of a lost art in the league today is, you know, the, the two-way standout, the guy who can play both ends. And that's what makes, you know, the good player is great being able to play both ends. I mean, you can always control your defense. You know, your shot might not fall one night, but it do- doesn't have to dictate how you do on the other end. You always get a very tough assignment on the on the defensive side. I know you take some pride in that. When you're playing point guards, you know how much when you're watching, say, on an off night uh, of other games, how much how much study goes into that to to figure out where they want to go with the ball and and what you need to do to to keep them corralled. A lot. I mean, I'm lucky. It's my third year in the league now, and 
had a ton of experience playing against these guys. So kind of familiar with all their games. But um, I watched a lot of games too. And I just, you know, I don't really focus on anybody. It kinda, I kind of pick it up just watching the flow of the action, what these guys like to do. And um, and if I just play our team principles, you know, I should make it tough on them. Yeah, there's no no doubt that I think one of the big weapons the Warriors have is now the, the this year the addition of Andre Iguodala adds another good perimeter defender to go with Andrew Bogut, and you guys really set the tone that way. A couple more questions for Clay Thompson before we let him go. On the offensive end, how important is it for you to get to the basket, and have you been focusing – uh, on that a little bit more since the all-star break yeah no question it, it just makes my game so much easier to get to the rim i didn't you know i really noticed it in the second half of the season how much players run out to my jumper and um that makes it so much easier on me just to you don't have to have great athleticism to get to the rim if someone's that worried about your jump shot so for me it's just uh it's just about being patient taking good shots and you know, the easier shots in the game are in that restricted area, and I've been getting there a lot more often. So something I'm definitely focusing on, and it's another element to my game that's growing. And it's something I've worked on a lot. And um, I think, you know, I could be a real good offensive player in this league if I can keep, you know, get to the basket and shoot from the three. So it's really going to help my game. I know the club is having a three-point shooting contest <laughs> Uh, their own brackets. I know you're one of the top seeds. Yeah. Uh, what's the update on that? Oh, it's going down tomorrow in the lead eight. You know, marquee matchup. I say would it be that one four between Draymond and Coach Jackson? So, Coach Jackson, you know, he's a talker and he's gonna he's gonna get the gym going with his you know trash talk, just like he was when he was playing. And Draymond, he loves to talk too. So as everyone's gonna be focusing on that one. But you know, there's another good one. Me and Harrison, that'll be a good one. Can't take Harrison lightly. Steve Blake and Jordan Crawford is another good one. So we will see what happens. And, um, yeah, How, it's a battle of the best. I hear the the coach made a, a rookie mistake when he uh, took off his tearaway sweatsuit the other day. He forgot, yeah. he forgot to put on his, forgot his shorts. shorts. Yeah, it wasn't a pretty sight, but <laughs> it was a good laugh. And, um, yeah, coach was just too excited to get out there. Forgot to put on his shorts. He, was all, he thought he was all slick, came out with his warm-ups on. Came out to an introduction and everything and just totally, totally blew it with having no shorts on. Man, you guys got you guys want to make sure he uh, never lives that one down, I think. Oh, yeah, we won't. And and finally, uh, any thoughts on the on the NCAA tournament? Any favorite? Ooh, I like Virginia and Arizona to meet in either the Final Four or National t- Championship. Those are my two teams I think are playing the best right now. Uh, it's been a great tournament. It always is. Um, a lot of upsets. You know, that VCU Stephen F. Austin game was one of the crazier games I've ever seen. So, you know, that's what makes, you know, college ball exciting is no one really knows what's going to happen. Got to get those coups going again. No, we will. So. We will. We got football under control. Now we're going to get the, we're going to get the hoops program back up and running. All right, so hopefully uh, next year we'll be talking about good times up in the Palouse. Uh, hey, I appreciate the, your chat today, and, and it's great to see you playing so well for the team and, and for yourself, and, and uh, best of luck Friday against the Grizzlies. All right, thanks, Tim. My thanks to Clay Thompson. I'm Tim Roy. Coming up later on in the hour, we'll focus on the Western Conference race and just how wild it is. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Oh, my God.
Edge. It goes oh. up and over Duncan. <laughs> Elevation sensation for Harrison Barnes. Golden State Warriors basketball. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. We like to keep you updated as to what's happening off the floor. And recently, the Warriors teamed up with Lucky Supermarkets as part of a community food drive. It happened at the Alameda Lucky Supermarket on Marina Village Parkway, where fans who made a $10 donation at any check stand at the Alameda Lucky Supermarket received a voucher good for two admissions to the Warriors Fan Fest, which was held in the supermarket parking lot. All funds and food donations collected in the food drive went directly to the Alameda County Community Food Bank. On hand were Warriors forward Draymond Green and center Festus Azili, and both participated in the Fan Fest and encouraged the local shoppers to donate to the community food drive. Just another example of how the Golden State Warriors are making the Bay Area an even better place to live. I mean, I think that's important. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, what's an hour or two out your day, you yeah. know, to, to go and put a smile on someone else's face, you know, yeah. maybe to help someone get a meal, you yeah. know, whatever it is. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's very important to get your rest, but, you know, an hour or two more at home, yeah. you know, isn't going to change my day, you know, yeah. so... To be able to go out and help someone else out, that's the most important thing to me. You know, I've always, I always say, you know, I want to be in a position, you know, to be able to help someone else, to be yeah. able to change someone else's life. And when you get in a position, you got to take advantage of it because it don't last forever. You know, yeah. you won't be in the NBA forever. So, you know, while I'm in this position, I try to take advantage of it and make an impact on someone else's life. We're happy to be with the Warriors so that we can hopefully provide a lot of food for the residents here in the Bay Area with the help of the Alameda County Community Food Bank. And they do serve a, a real wide audience of folks here in the Bay. Our stores, Lucky, are very happy to be in partnership with them and have been for many years. So again, what we do with the Warriors year in and year out has been very successful in drawing attention to the issue of hunger and helping those people here in the Bay Area. All this money is going to people that, that cannot afford to, to get food for themselves. So it's just our way of giving back to the community. And uh, each dollar generates four, four dollars. That's, that's big for the community. So I, I think it's important that we continue to do things like this to, to help our community. Golden State Warriors basketball. Curry from distance, his seventh three-pointer of the game. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Warriors Bucks. Hey, the Big Apple is coming to the Bay this Sunday, March 30th, at a special 6 o'clock start time. Warriors Ground is going to rumble when Carmelo Anthony and the New York Knicks battle it out with the Golden State Warriors. The first to 10,000 fans receive a Warriors slam dunk poster courtesy of Kingsford Capital Management. Get your official Warriors tickets tonight at warriors.com slash dynamic. And we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Time now to answer your questions on Twitter at WarriorsVox, WarriorsVox, or you can send me an email at the Warriors website, uh, Tim Roy, it's T-I-M-R-O-Y-E at warriors.com. And before we get to the first question, a reminder that originally on the schedule, uh, the game for Friday night against Memphis was scheduled for KMBR 680, but they have uh, exhibition baseball there on Friday, so we'll be going over to KMBR 1050 on Friday night when the Warriors take on the Memphis Grizzlies. That is going to be a huge, huge game. 
Now on to our first question. MS Sports wants to know about uh, the Warriors and playing well at Oracle. It seems the Warriors have not had the kind of year they would have liked on the home floor. What can be done to capture the final few home games? Well, we talked to David Lee recently, and the Warriors forward talked about the importance of defending the home court. We talked about when we had our, our meeting right after All-Star break as players, we said that you know we need to come out and we need to, to have that extra effort talked about all the, the strategic things we, we want to do, but one of the biggest things we also said was we shouldn't lose any more home games uh, for the rest of the season, and that's a tough task, and obviously we can have an off night or whatever, but reestablishing Oracle headed into the playoffs is a place that teams come in and, and fear coming into play. Well, the Warriors are right in the middle of that five-game homestand, and Max Patrick wants to know, was that behind the back getting fouled shot real? Of course, he's talking about Steph Curry and that great move he had, putting the ball up after he was wrapped up and fouled in the game against the Bucks. Curry dribbles down the lane, and he's wrapped up oh. by Middleton. He threw it up, and it went in! It went in! He was wrapped up by Middleton, spinning away from the bucket. You must live a charmed life to get that bucket. As he just flipped it up, and it went in. It was horse collared by Middleton. Threw it up. I guess when you're Steph Curry, those things just happen. There's no way that went in. <laughs> His body, as you said, he's like horse collared going to the left side of the bucket. His whole body was getting spun back to his left and then just threw it up with his right drop that he completes the three-point play. My goodness. Well, we thank you all for your participation. We try to answer as many as we can at Warriors Vox, Warriors V-O-X, or you can send me an email at timroy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at warriors.com. We do this not only uh, on the weekly show, but also in our postgame show as well. We continue with the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. The Western Conference races are coming right down to the wire. We're going to find out just who stacks up for the final two playoff spots in the competition there between Phoenix, Dallas, and Memphis. And of course, they're all chasing the Golden State Warriors. We'll talk to broadcasters from each team as we continue on KBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Left side, Bogut, touch pass to David Lee. Two-hand, rim-racker for Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Well, the Warriors are heading for what they hope will be a Western Conference playoff berth. I'm Tim Roy, and the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Now, behind the Warriors, the Warriors are 44-27. and They're a half game back of Portland for the number five spot, and they're four and a half back of Houston for the four spot at home court advantage. Memphis is a game and a half back of the Warriors at 42 and 28, starting play tonight. And Dallas is 43 and 29, also a game and a half back. The Phoenix Suns are 42 and 29. They are two games back of the Warriors, but they're only a half game out of a potential Western Conference playoff push. Now, we're taping these interviews earlier in the day because the Suns are at the Wizards tonight and the Grizzlies are in Utah to play the Jazz. So let's talk about the Phoenix Suns first, 42-29, and 29. as we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. John Bloom joins us. He is the pre- and post-game host for Suns Radio. Uh, John, first of all, thank you so much for helping us out, and what is your gut feeling about the Suns right now? Well, I mean, they're just going at such a great rate right now, Tim, that uh, it's hard to doubt that this team doesn't have uh, what, what it takes to, to make a final push. Now, I, I know you just spelled it out. 
five teams for four spots is what it's become because Portland, you know, has kind of come down to the pack. Golden State now a little bit closer to the to the ones on the bottom. It, this is going to be quite a finish to the season, Tim. I mean, when you look at the schedules too. Last night I went and did it again. I looked at who the Suns have coming up, who the Grizzlies, and who the Mavericks have coming up. And I was just looking at those three teams because that is is the closest of, of the, the battle right now for those last two spots. And, uh, boy, I mean, I, if, if it's not all of them right around 48 or 49 wins, I'll be surprised. And so it's going to probably come down to that last week of the season. And what's remarkable about it, you probably already covered this, but the fact that the Suns, you know, uh, host the Grizzlies, that the Grizzlies and the Suns both go to Dallas, and that's all in the last, you know, two, three days of the season. So it's, it's going to be quite something to, to wrap up this regular season in the Western Conference. Who drew up the Suns' schedule for April? The Marquis de Sade? <laughs> and that thing yeah. is brutal. That's brutal. It, it, is. It, it, it You start it, off with a home game against the Clippers on April 2nd. Then you go to Portland, back home for Oklahoma City, and then at New Orleans, San Antonio, and Dallas, and the Pelicans are a pushover if, if Anthony Davis plays, and then home for Memphis at Sacramento to wrap it up. That is an unbelievable April schedule. Yeah, it is going to be brutal, which which probably, you know, would make uh, most people, when they do sit down and break the schedules down, think that the Suns are going to be the ones on the outside looking in uh, relative to to those other four teams or, or maybe even just the other two I talked about with the Grizzlies and the, and the Mavericks. But I'll tell you what, 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 what makes me believe in this team is, is watching them, uh, you know, be able to raise the level of their competition against the, the level of competition. Uh, and, yeah, they've been in some tight ones where they've let teams that are not as good as them get leads on them, but they've come back and closed the deal, and, and they keep coming back. Uh, and they've proven that this is a team that just goes all out and may not have the most talent, but is playing as good a, a team basketball as anybody is. And right now with adding Eric Bledsoe to the fold, uh, you know, he's, he, the, the team is, has taken it to a, another level from a standpoint of their defense on the perimeter, and that's something they've really needed, and, uh, and it comes at the right time. I mean, this is, like I said, this is going to be such a brutal stretch. You mentioned it from a standpoint of the scheduling. You know, I look at that, and I'd also look at how did Mark Cuban get eight straight home games with no back-to-backs, you know, and they're in the middle of it right now. They just beat Oklahoma City, but eight home games in a row is, is special enough. Then to not have one single back-to-back, and here the Suns are playing and three straight weekends where they are not only playing Sunday and Monday night, but they're doing it all on the road. That's, I think the, uh, that's I think the whole uh, different side of it. I think the schedule maker was allowed on set for Shark Tank. I think that's how it happened. I think, uh, <laughs> the, but yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the Suns, and, and the, when Jeff Hornacek was in town, I know Jeff from when he was a player for the Suns uh, way back in the day. But uh, you know, he told me he thought his club had overachieved. You know, the way they play, and part of that's because of the fact that that Jeff put a lot of confidence in those guys, and you could tell. They like playing for them because they play so hard. They do. They do, and it's so easy to root for this bunch, Tim. I mean, uh, you talk about a bunch of guys who've been cast off before, who have, you know, found a home here in Phoenix, and and uh, and have just all kind of excelled. You got uh, virtually every single member of the Phoenix Suns are having a career year, and part of that's because they're getting opportunities that they haven't had before. But uh, part of it is they've all just kind of found a fit in in Jeff's system, and uh, and they really enjoy playing his system. And I think that, you know, he's, he's not a pushover by any stretch. You wouldn't just look at him as, oh, he's just a player's coach. He's making everybody happy. No, he's getting a lot out of these guys. He's, he's definitely staying on top of them. Uh, but at the same time, what he's built is a system that worked when he was a player under coaches that he learned from. Uh, like Jerry Sloan and Cotton Fitzsimmons, and he's implementing that along with his own, you know, uh, 
personality, and it's really worked so far. This has just been uh, an amazing year, and, and in some cases, Suns fans truly believe they're playing with house money right now, that, that nobody anticipated them being in this position to have 42 wins already and still be in March, you know, when they were predicted to win less than 20 games on the season. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's been an overwhelming uh, success story here in the Valley. Yeah, no question about that. I remember reading even in Sports Illustrated, they picked them for 15th in the uh, Western Conference, and uh, they have just played so well. Eric Bledsoe was out for a long time. What's his status, and how much does he mean to the team? Well, he means a lot to the team, and he did even when he was out. Uh, they, I think they really kind of bonded together. They felt horrible for him, and they know the situation he's in as a you know restricted free agent after this season. He's trying to uh, you know set himself up for a huge contract, and everybody knows about that stuff. But as far as his contributions on the court, I, I think I mentioned it earlier. The perimeter defense that he plays is tremendous. Uh, now he's got his shot back, which makes him such a weapon on offense because you got to go out and mark him outside the line, and if you do that he's going to blow past you uh no matter who you are if you're a human being he's going to blow past you he can do that and then when he gets in the air he's just so creative he's able to have the strength to finish after getting hit a bunch but he also can find guys and now the suns have some pretty consistent outside shooters on the wings that are hitting corner threes uh that that makes it more dangerous the other thing that happens is you got a team that likes to run and you've got goran dragic on one side of the floor and eric bledsoe on the other and either one of them can get the ball and take it up the court in a heartbeat. So that's a very difficult thing for other teams to compete with, to have two point guards on the floor uh, through the majority of the game, and, and it, it opens up a whole other dynamic. You know, they're 6-2 since he came back from the injury, but they're 6-1 with him in the starting lineup uh, and, and playing the majority of minutes there with Dragic. It's a, it's a dynamic duo. Uh, they said it from the beginning that it's going to bring back memories of Kevin Johnson and Jeff Hornacek on the floor, and it's doing just that right now. You know, John, we look at the, uh, the, the backcourt, and it's such a dynamic backcourt. But I, I'm so impressed with, with uh, the improvement of Goran Dragic. What, where did he, in your mind, where did he take the, the big step forward this year? Well, he actually told me himself, Tim, that, that where he took the big step actually wasn't this year. It was uh, when he got traded from the Suns to the Houston Rockets, and Kevin McHale gave him an opportunity to play a lot more minutes and to, to really have a little bit more free flow to his game. Then when he came back, uh, he was thrilled to be here because he loved Phoenix. It was who gave him an opportunity to play in the NBA, his lifelong dream. This man this, uh, is such an amazing character. Uh, besides having a phenomenal year on the court, and if folks, if you haven't watched Goran Dragic play, I mean, I, I can't wait to sit and watch Steph Curry play because he's one of those guys. I love to see what he can do on the basketball court. Dragic is in that category, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm slowly sliding Eric Bledsoe into that category as well. Uh, but from, from Goran Dragic's standpoint, you'll not find a more uh, genuine character on top of how well he's playing this game. And that's what I think has made it so easy for the Suns to all get together. Because you got these guys playing at an all-star level, but nobody with an all-star ego. And, uh, and Tim, you know how important that is when it comes to basketball, when it comes to chemistry, and when it comes to having success on the court together. No doubt about it. So as we wrap up, as you look at this, this schedule and the season for the Suns, do you think it's going to come down to April 12th and April 14th at Dallas and then home for Memphis? I really do. I, you know, I went, I spent a solid uh, you know, hour on it last night just looking at the schedules and, and guessing, okay, well, these are winnable games for this team, these are not for the others. I think the thing I, ha- I did not incorporate is the Portland Trailblazers, and they're on a little bit of a nosedive. When you look at all the other teams that are in that mix, everybody's playing at a pretty, pretty good level still. Portland's right. not. 
so if they fall, continue to fall back, maybe that makes this whole thing moot, and then it doesn't come down to the Mavericks, Grizzlies, and Suns in those last three days of the season because maybe the Blazers have already fallen out, and those three guys, three teams are just posturing for six, seven, and eight. I don't know. Maybe the Warriors are also in that conversation too. But uh, you know, like I said, no matter what happens, I really do believe it's going to come down to the last week, and this is going to be a heck of a finish to a regular season. I just hope we get to continue to talk Warriors and Suns hoops when it gets into the postseason. Yeah, I think I think with Portland though, I think a lot of it depends on Aldridge. You know, if he gets back, I think uh, I think they'll be okay because they do. Looking at their schedule, they do have a, a stretch of like uh, winnable games, four or five games, not counting the matchup with the Suns uh, right there at the, in April to start the the month that they should win uh, games against Sacramento and Utah, and New Orleans, and and the Los Angeles Lakers. So they have some winnable games on their schedule. So I think it's going to be hard. But you know, the 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 sad thing about the West is I'll, I'll leave you with this is that. There's going to be one really good team not in the playoffs, and after the first round, there's going to be four really good teams going home, and that's the, that's the the sad truth of the West. John, thank you so much for helping us out, and we appreciate uh, your cooperation. You bet, anytime, Sam. Thanks for having me. My thanks to John Bloom, the pre and post game host for the Phoenix Suns. The Suns currently in the nine spot. Let's move up one spot and go to eight. That's where the Dallas Mavericks are. Their record is forty three and twenty nine, and the voice of the Dallas Mavericks is Chuck Cooperstein. Well, Chuck, the first question I have for you is, did the NBA schedule maker get, like, you know, season one of Shark Tank for the the Mavs to get eight straight home games without a back-to-back or a trip in there somewhere? You know, I mean, (laughs) I'm not sure it's the greatest thing in the world, to be honest with you. I mean, only because teams are so used to playing a few games at home and going out on the road and, you know, like, you know, basically a week at a time at home, a week at a time on the road. You know, when you're home that much, Everybody wants a piece of you, and it really, at times, I think, becomes difficult to, to focus on what you should be focusing on because there, are, you know, life is also intruding on what you're supposed to be focusing on. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not in the end, it's not the greatest thing in the world. I will say this: even though the Mavericks are just three and two in the first five games, the 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 entertainment value of the homestand has just been off the charts, and obviously never more so than uh, the game against Oklahoma City on Tuesday night. Yeah, no, no question. You've had three overtime games already in this homestand, and you know, and I agree with you in one sense. I was being a little, uh, a little trying to be funny there at the beginning, but like the Warriors are in a a five game five days without a game period, and it's great for the yeah. injuries, and it's great for Andre Iguodala. But I'm I'm always a little worried that you will kind of lose your edge in those things. So the the schedule always throws a little curveball at you at some point. At some point, you get this real weird part of the schedule, and I think both teams are are kind of in that right now. Uh, Chuck, as you get to the final month, and with the race so close, I mean, from five to nine is only two and a half games in the West. So anybody could be in, anybody could be out in that group. Uh, you start looking at, at, at this almost like a playoff run to get into the playoffs? Well, Rick Carlisle basically said it back on March the 5th when the Mavericks were in Denver. We have 21 Super Bowls to play. That's really what it is. I mean, yep. every night you're you're playing and you're worried about your own stuff, but you're absolutely watching the scoreboard. You're watching to see what Golden State and Portland and Phoenix and Memphis are all doing. You have to. I mean, and and frankly, how can't you? It's just been such incredibly compelling theater. You know, when the Mavericks lost the Warriors, um, you know, back in uh, what was it, March the 11th? Right. You know, Golden State was three games up on the Mavericks. Uh, with 17 games to play. And it certainly looked like for all the world as if, well, the Mavericks are going to have to settle for seventh or eighth. 
uh, and then you know, worry about who they're going to play up top. But now, I mean, not only they, you know, can they think about uh, trying to catch Golden State, or for that matter, catching Portland if Portland continues to face play it like this, well, they have to worry about making the playoffs in the first place because Phoenix just won't go away, just like exactly. everybody has been saying for four months that they would go away, but they're just not following the script very well. Well, it's really funny because I, it, it really could come down to a series of games and that the Warriors won't even be a part of. It could come down to a series of games right at the end of the season because you know, Phoenix has uh, Dallas and Memphis, and you guys have Memphis and Phoenix. So this little round-robin you know, tournament you guys are going to play at the end of the year could decide you know, who gets in and who plays who. There's no doubt. And, you know, if, and the game, I think, on April the 10th that the Mavericks play against Phoenix, or April the 12th that the Mavericks play against Phoenix is, is really the linchpin of all this because – the Mavericks already have the tiebreaker on Memphis. They've won three games against them already. Uh, if they beat Phoenix, uh, they'll have the tiebreaker on Phoenix as well. And that should put them in a really good spot because then they don't play again until that last game of the year against Memphis. And, you know, maybe, maybe it'll mean something. You know, maybe it won't. Uh, but uh, by that point, if Dallas wins that game on the 12th, I, I have to believe that that's going to be you know, good enough to get them in if they're not already in by that point. How big do you think the game is uh, April 1st when the Warriors take on the Mavs in Dallas? I think it's really large. Uh, yeah. You know, especially from the standpoint the Mavericks were so bad in that game in Oakland. You know, they were good for six minutes and horrible for 42. Uh, and, and the Warriors were great. and Their bench was great. And uh, You know, I, I think that... Um, you know, the Mavericks feel like that uh, they, they should have won one of the games in Oakland, the, the first game, they, that they should have a 2-1 lead in the series and not the Warriors. But, again, with everything at stake and tiebreakers and whatnot, it, it's a large game because of conference record. Conference record becomes one of the tiebreakers as well. You know, it becomes the next tiebreaker in, as long as the series in the season is tied, which it would be if the Mavericks win. So clearly, it's it's a very very important game, and uh, you know that's the last game for the Mavericks in the homestand before they go on a four game road trip. So uh, you know I think they would want to close that one out well, but goodness, it, it seems like four weeks from now, given what they've got the Clippers tomorrow night, they've got uh, the, the Kings on Saturday night, who've been somewhat problematic to them, uh, but all well, not in Dallas, but uh, overall just from the style of play. Uh, and then you got to worry about the Warriors. It's 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 a crazy finish. And you, know, you talk about the schedule maker at the beginning of all this. But, you know, the schedule maker generally isn't that smart, from what I can tell. But he looks like an absolute genius right now for the way all of this is breaking down with with all of these games uh, from now until April 16th, having the type of drama attached to them that they do. I think the Warriors have an important stretch. I think starting now with the game Memphis on Friday. And then the Knicks on Sunday, two in, in Texas against Dallas and San Antonio. Because if they can get through that, that stretch, the, those four games, if the Warriors can play well for those four games, then they have a stretch where they play six of their final seven are against teams in the West that are not going to be in the playoff picture with a one huge game up in Portland on Sunday, April 13th. So this is a real important four-game stretch for the Warriors. If they do well in this four-game stretch, I think they'll be uh, sitting pretty well. I'll tell you, and one of the things, if you look at the standing, you see you know, where the Mavericks are right now. The Mavericks have eight losses against Western Conference teams that are not making the playoffs. Uh, 
you know, they've, they've got three losses against Minnesota. They've got three losses against Denver. Uh, they've got a loss to Sacramento and one other that escapes me right now. But, uh, but no other team, when I looked at this last week, uh, had any more than five among the contenders. So, you know, it's, it, that's also kind of a weird dynamic coming in here that maybe in some ways the Mavericks have been better off facing really good teams because it's getting their attention. Well, now, you know, they, they've had the Thunder and they've had, uh, you know, the, the uh, they'll have the Clippers uh, on Thursday night. They'll have the Warriors next Tuesday. Uh, so, you know, maybe this is something that they need because obviously playing, uh, you know, Minnesota certainly hasn't helped them. Uh, and playing Brooklyn, although the, the other night, uh, you know, Brooklyn actually played real well here lately. I mean, they've got an excellent record and, and a very good record against the West as well. Uh, that uh, they didn't take advantage of. They had a 14-point lead in that game and let it get away. But, you know, to me, that's sort of in the story of the year. It's not just for the Mavericks, although they're probably more, uh, they're probably more guilty of it than most. But the, the inability of teams to hold on to big leads this year, regardless of who's getting those leads, is really quite remarkable. Maybe San Antonio doesn't do that, but it sure seems like everybody else does. Yeah, every, everybody else has caught up a couple, and the Warriors have been, you know, they were down 27 to Toronto and came back and won. You know, the team that's kind of sliding back now, not kind of, they are sliding back, is Portland. You know, that when they beat the Mavs back in January, that's the last time, Chuck, that Portland has beaten any of the teams in the Western Conference playoff race. They have lost to all the Western contenders since then, and they still have games. They're finishing up an East Coast road trip with Atlanta, Chicago, and they still have games against Memphis, uh, Phoenix, the Warriors, and the Clippers. And then they end uh, versus the Warriors and versus the Clippers. So they, yeah, they're they, not out. Of, they're not out of the woods. By no, they're not. And, they're not. And amazingly, you know, as you bring that up, they played the Mavericks a few weeks ago, and the Mavericks got a thirty-point lead on them. <laughs> And they eliminated the deficit. They led by seven with uh, about five minutes to play in the game, and the Mavericks scored the last 11 points of the game to win. Wow. And I don't know that they really recovered from that since then. But you know, their big issue, Tim, and you've seen it with them, not just this year but last year, really nothing has changed, uh, is their lack of bench. They just get nothing at all from their bench, even you know, with adding Mo Williams, who I, I really like, and he's been okay but they just don't get enough production. And, of course, Aldridge has now been hurt. and hes I don't know when he's coming back. I think he's going to miss uh, you know, their next game as well. Right. Uh, that's, that's awfully hard to replace, uh, 24 points and 11 rebounds. And he, uh, he's been phenomenal. He's had a great year. Uh, you know, Wes Matthews has had a great year. Lillard you know, is really shooting the three very well, even if he's uh, really kind of an inefficient player. Uh, but their bench is terrible. And, and it hasn't gotten better. And they're really paying the price for having to play their starters as many minutes as they do. I mean, Nick Batum seems to be the guy that, like the Energizer Bunny, he can go and go and go. And he's thrown up some incredible numbers here lately. But uh, he needs help. They all need help. And they're not getting help right now. That's a very, very good point. Uh, Chuck Cooperstein, the voice of the Dallas Mavericks. A final question for you, Chuck. We know about Dirk. We know about Monte and just how, how, how good those players have been year in and year out and how good they are night in and night out uh, for Rick Carlisle. Who are some of the other guys that you think have to play well and are playing well that will help the Mavs get to the postseason? Well, Vince Carter's been great in the second half of the year. Uh, really, since the All-Star break, he shoot about 45% from three, and it just seems like he makes 
opportune plays, you know, a huge block shot at the end of the Boston game on Monday night that really saved that game. You know, Jose Calderon is shooting 49% from three since the All-Star break, and he was huge last night, uh, made six three-pointers. and uh, He's had three games this year where he's had at least six threes. Before this year, he'd only done that twice in his career. His shooting is absolutely essential to helping to spread the floor. But I don't know that really there's anyone more important than Samuel Dallenbear and the 20 to 24 minutes that he plays for them every night. Uh, and he's been great here in the last week. And, and Carlisle almost mockingly told me last night uh, that, uh, <laughs> say, well, it's kind of about time that he's doing this. You know, he's been around here all year long, and that, that, which is always, you know, the, the deal with down there that everybody sees how athletic he is and sees that he should be able to do this far more often than he does. But when he's dialed in, he's really good. And he's uh, he's averaging about eleven and a half rebounds here in the last four games. He had three consecutive double figure rebound games. They need him to be able to be in the game, rebound the ball, protect the rim. Not necessarily the shot blocker. He did have seven blocks in the Brooklyn game, but obviously you're not looking for him to do that. But you're looking for him to be able to force the ball elsewhere on the floor. And he's been really, really good. And they need they need him perhaps more than anybody else because. The Mavericks can score. Scoring has never been an issue for this team, right. save for their last game against the Warriors when they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. But defensively, that's always an issue. And you, know, you shouldn't have to rely on scoring 108 to 111 points a night uh, in order to win games, which is where the Mavericks really find themselves right now, which, of course, Tim, you know the Warriors have pretty much had to experience that for a long period of time until Mark Johnson got there. Uh, it, so it's it's a real fine line that you're walking. So if you get the guy that can, can defend a little bit, bring a little bit of defensive presence to your team, uh, I, I think that winds up being really important. Yeah, you gotta have, got to have guys to protect the rim. There's no doubt about that. Hey, Chuck, it's, it, this should be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see you next week, but this should be a lot of fun over the final month of the season, uh, watching the scoreboard and, and uh, see how this all unfolds. You know, as, as great as the NCAA tournament is and has been, the NBA is producing, especially in the Western Conference, they are producing their own fantastic reality series. The only thing missing is the one-and-done element, but I don't think you walk in the building every night thinking anything other than, oh, man, this feels like a playoff game. I know yes, that's it- how I feel, and I think that's how a lot of people are feeling right now. Oh, no question. It, it, it's, it's so much fun, and every every quarter, every possession is so important. Chuck, uh, thank you, as always, for your, your help here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Appreciate it, Tim. Thanks. See you next week. Thanks, Chuck. That's Chuck Cooperstein, the voice of the Dallas Mavericks, who are currently in the number 8 spot starting play today. Memphis is in the number 7 spot by percentage points with a record of 42-28. and 28. To help us break down the Grizzlies, who are coming to Oracle on Friday night, the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies is Eric Hasseltine. At the beginning of the year, new head coach, a rash of injuries, and the Grizzlies just couldn't get on track. Uh, the team is healthier now. They've kind of rediscovered how they need to play, looking at it from afar. Are those fair assumptions as to why the Grizzlies have turned it around? Yeah, I think getting Marcus Gasol was huge, and uh, getting a couple of guys that, that weren't here to start the season uh, in your rotation, and James Johnson, Courtney Lee have really helped as well, so... Front office has made good moves. Uh, the team has taken to Dave Yeager's system, and then having Marcus All 
makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, look, all you got to do is look at the record when he plays and when he doesn't play. They were 7-5 and five the night he got hurt. Uh, they lost that game. They were 7-6, and six, and I think they're 25-9 and nine since, maybe even 26-9 and nine after last night. I'd have to double-check. But uh, they would be easily in the postseason based on those numbers. But, you know, that's not reality. And we can sit here as, as NBA fans and go, well, if this, if that. You dealt with the injuries, you got through it, you treaded water as best you could, and now they're putting on their run, even though their second-half schedule has been uh, very road-heavy. The Grizzlies will face a five-game road trip that they could really define their season in this next week. Talk about the, the schedule. You know what, How important is the schedule for the Grizzlies, and uh, how do you think their schedule matches up with Dallas and with Phoenix? Well, I think Phoenix has the toughest if you look at it out of those three teams fighting. And, you know, listen, I'm not, I don't want it to sound arrogant, but the Grizzlies have their sights set above that. They, they, they've set their sights on, on you guys in Golden State and, and even Portland, who's been struggling. And, uh, the, the thing for the Warriors is they've been playing well, you know, seven and three in their last 10, Grizzlies eight and two. So that's going to be tough, especially if they don't get the victory there Friday night. If, if Golden State defends the home court, which is, you know, they generally do pretty well. I, I think that'll make it virtually impossible to catch Golden State because they're playing about the same rate. The team that's falling a little bit is Portland. And in all honesty, uh, the Grizzlies play such a different style than most of the teams in the West with that physical inside game, and they'll slow it down you know, more like an Eastern Conference team. It really throws a lot of the teams in the West for a loop. Golden State's been able to handle it uh, a little bit in their last win over them. Uh, but struggled a little bit early on, as you saw, and, and it's not as comfortable for them. But I think they're more capable of playing that style than, say, Portland or even uh, Houston or you know Oklahoma City, who like to really get up and down. San Antonio's handled it, uh, but even the Clippers have some problems with it. So, you know, it, it's like when you go play pickup with your buddies, and all your buddies are just kind of you know lackadais- or lackadaisical on defense, and you just kind of let everybody have fun, and then one guy comes out and he's up in your face and defending you all the time, it's not as much fun to play that guy. So um, that's kind of the way I equate what the Grizzlies are doing. So this this road trip is massive. It starts Wednesday in Utah. You certainly can't slip up against the bottom team in the Western Conference. Uh, You travel to Golden State after a late night Wednesday night. You have a day off Thursday. And what I expect to be just a terrific game because those two teams always have great games against each other. And then win or lose that one. Uh, you go up to Portland, and it's a team that, that really is having their issues right now. And uh, you'd like to hope that you could take that and then face uh, a fading Denver and a fading Minnesota team at the end. So I think any time you have a five-game trip, as you know, Tim, you look at three and two as being a, a really successful trip. But for the Grizzlies, I think they have their sights, and they're going to do it a game at a time. But they really want to see if four and one is not possible, even potentially going five and zero. Oh. If they do that, they'll feel confident that they're locked into that playoff spot. I would think that right now they feel pretty good about themselves because of the fact that you're right, Phoenix's April is just ridiculous, and they've been right in the, right in the middle of a couple of East Coast trips, uh, and 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 so their their schedule is very tough. But I think as we look to the playoffs now, say Memphis gets in and, and wherever they finish, are there teams that they match up well with in the top four, and are is there a team up there they really don't want to see? Well, I think they match up well. Like I said, you know, for the the similar reason that I just discussed was that they 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 play that different style with teams like Houston and the Clippers and and even the Thunder. Right? But you know, with the Thunder, you have a guy in Kevin Durant who can go for forty in the blink of an eye and, and take over a game. The funny thing is, the team that they may not match up as well with and and seems to have an answer is San Antonio. Is probably the team that the players and, and even I myself would love to see them play again. 
because a bitter taste was left in, in the mouth after the sweep. They haven't beaten San Antonio this year. San Antonio has taken it upon themselves since the Grizzlies eliminated them uh, a few years back to, to absolutely punish the Grizzlies any time they play. And, uh, you know, they're that team that, that plays so methodical and, and, and so, you know, precise that when you make a mistake, they jump on it. If you don't jump on their mistakes, you're in big trouble. And the Grizzlies haven't been able to do that. So I think they would love to face them. The rivalry would be with the Clippers. That's the big rival. That's the team that our fans love to hate. Their fans love to hate us. And, and Zach Randolph and Blake Griffin are good for, you know, at least one three-point takedown a game. And uh, it turns into a, basically a, a little bit of a side fight. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Grizzlies want to test the toughness of the Clippers and see just how tough they really are. And it, it contrasts with what they generally do. So that would be the rivalry. There's a respect with the Clippers. And I think with the if you were able to – sneak up and, and, you know, win a few more games here or there and, and, and maybe get that fifth spot. If you faced Houston, it would be intriguing because they do have Dwight Howard, but the last time the two teams met, they played a back-to-back home-and-home, and the Grizzlies swept that home-and-home and, home and really felt good about the way they had played against Houston all year, even though they dropped the first two. They've led in the fourth quarter in all four games and finally figured out how to close those guys out. So um, at this point, though, Tim, as you know, you got to look right in front of you and think, okay, we're in now, but it could change tomorrow. So let's just get in and then start worrying about that stuff. No, no question about that. And and I, you know, you've talked about Marcus Soul and a little bit about Zach Randolph. But before I let you go, I want to get your thoughts on Mike Conley Jr. Why has he blossomed into? Uh, I, I call him. He's kind of at the top of the second tier. Of, of good point guards. He's below the Chris Pauls of the world, maybe maybe a little bit below a Steph Curry. But he's right there. He's the next guy up. And and why has he blossomed so much? Well, hey, I think that's fair because Steph is, is such a, a brilliant scorer and, you know, can absolutely change a game with his ability to knock down long-range shots. And You know, Chris Pauls is the ultimate distributor of the basketball. And I think you get a little bit of both with with Mike, but just not as good as both. And they're both so good. You're talking about all-star starters that, uh, you know, that's no disrespect to Mike Conley. His big thing, Tim, is honestly he got confidence in his mid-range shot. He used to pass on the, the pull-up 15- to 17-footer all the time. He doesn't do that anymore. He's confident in taking threes. He's shooting at about 37%, 36%, and he started really poorly this year. His shot was off the mark for the first, you know, three weeks, so considering he started probably the first 11, 12 games at sub-20% to get up to 38% at this point, means he shot it pretty well, or 37%. He shot it pretty well for the remainder of the time. The other factor is upper body strength. He goes to the basket, and he's able to absorb contact and finish, uh, whereas in the past, if you you know waved a fan at him you know that you made out of cardboard, it might knock him over. He was just that slight of frame, and you know, he's become a man for better lack of a better way of putting it. You know, we see these guys come in as young men at 19 years old, and they develop uh, into into grown men, and he, he has become that. And, you know, clearly I had a lot to do with his workout plan. He asked me a lot of my tips on my physique, and I, I understand that. You know, Dwight Howard does as well, and I, I can't blame him. It's hard not to look and ogle, but, uh, you know, uh, you got to give him credit where he's due because he put the work in. And on that note, we'll end the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Always appreciate it, brother. That's Eric Hasseltine of the Memphis Grizzlies. My thanks to Eric, also Chuck Cooperstein of the Dallas Mavericks, and John Bloom of the Phoenix Suns. I'm Tim Roy. We'll look ahead to the schedule when we continue with the Warriors Weekly Roundtable right here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. 
Golden State Warriors basketball. Draymond goes to work with three, with two, runner, right hand flip on the rim and down! Draymond Green! We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Well, the upcoming broadcasts are brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. The Memphis Grizzlies are in town. 7 o'clock the airtime on KMBR 1050. And the big key to the second half push for the Grizzlies has been the return of center Mark Gasol. Randolph, 8 on the shot clock. Randolph drives in at Noah. Randolph to the baseline, up and under move, gets to the rim, missed it, tapped up and in by Gasol. And that may do it here tonight in Chicago. Warriors at Grizzlies, 7 o'clock on Friday night. Again, we're on KBR 1050 on Friday. It's an authentic fan Friday brought to you by Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area. Back on KBR 680 on Sunday night, 5.30 with the pregame show as the Warriors welcome the New York Knicks and Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo, what's up? He's going to drive by Davis. Step back jumper, good! Oh, he got him from 12 feet away in the paint, Carmelo. He's got 40. Warriors and Knicks, 5.30 the airtime on KBR 680. The first to 10,000 fans receive a Warriors slam dunk poster courtesy of Kingsford Capital Management. Golden State with only three games left outside the Pacific time zone, and they'll knock off two of those uh, next week on Tuesday, April 1st. The Warriors will be in Dallas to take on the Mavericks and old friend Monte Ellis. Oh, steal by Ellis. What a play. Here's a drive and a slam dunk. Monte with 18, cut in front of Heinrich, a lazy pass by Teague, and he had a 50-foot bust out. Warriors and Mavs, 5.15 is the airtime on Canby 1050 on Tuesday. That's Canby 1050 on Tuesday afternoon at 5.15. Same time, same channel on Wednesday as the Warriors take on Tony Parker and the Spurs. Sideline right, Parker. Screen by Duncan. Parker works a couple of dribbles against Brewer. Backs up to the right sideline. Now penetrates all the way in. Reverse layup is good. A little French kiss off the glass for Tony Parker. Rick Allen wants a timeout. Tony Parker's got 27. Warriors and Spurs on Wednesday, 5.15 the airtime. Warriors will wrap up their final trip to Texas in the regular season and head home on Thursday. It's the weekly roundtable back to its usual Thursday night calling card, 8 o'clock with the airtime on Thursday, April the 3rd. I'm Tim Roy wrapping up this week's edition of the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I want to thank all of our guests, including Warriors guard Clay Thompson. I want to thank John Bloom of the Phoenix Suns Radio Network and the voice of the Dallas Mavericks, Chuck Cooperstein, and the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, Eric Hasseltine. For the producer with whom you could never text because he never watches anything in real time, that's R.C. Davis. Dave Feldhouse at the controls at KMBR 680, and he'll be assisting Ray Woodson, who's taking your calls and comments right now at 808-KMBR. So dial that number, 808-KMBR, to talk to Ray Woodson. I, Tim Moy, saying good night for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We'll see you on Friday night out at Oracle, 7 o'clock the airtime on KMBR 1050, when the Warriors take on the Memphis Grizzlies. Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Iguodala. Right to Clay Thompson. Back to Iguodala. One dribble goes to the rim. And he scores with the right hand. For tickets, go to warriors.com. Or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.